Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on in the series, we're doing on the church. And uh, we're 14 weeks in. We'll actually wrap this series up next week. I want to sort of hit the highlights again of what we've been talking about in this series. And uh, I, I reemphasize this point every week because it's really important to me that it sort of sinks in is that whenever you read about the church in the Bible, it's always about people. It's either the people, the, the saints from the time of Jesus forward, all of those who have believed in, in Jesus, or it's about a, a group of believers in a specific place, but it's always about people. And so the church is people, so you are the church. And um, I think it's important that we understand that, that we don't sort of think of church as an event, as something that we do, um, but that it's something that we are. We're the church. Right now, we're the church gathered corporately here, the specific group of, of believers in, in this group uh, meeting together. But when you leave this place, you will still be the church, absolutely, in every way. You're the body of Christ. So it's a 24-7 thing. And I just think it's important for us to sort of let that sink in because it will impact the way that we live. You are always the church 24-7 as believers in Christ. Since it's about people, the church, it's about our relationships as well. And uh, we've said it's about our relationship with God. It's about our relationship with the people of God and our relationships with the future people of God and that these relationships are developed in the context of worship, discipleship, fellowship, and mission. And so far in this series, we've talked about being a worshiping community, a discipling community, a fellowshipping community, and now we're talking about being a people of mission. And really, this is, this is what it, uh, that we, we're doing now in this place and time. The church that's gone on before us, I fully believe, are engaged in all the other activities. They're still engaged in worship. They're still engaged in fellowship, perhaps discipleship. They don't know any, everything already. Um, but they are done with their part of the mission. See, they put in their time here, and because of them, we exist. And so now it's on us. And so we, we continue in all those other endeavors, but, but this is our purpose. This is why we're here. This is why we don't get zapped up into heaven when we get saved. We're a people of mission, and God has created us for mission and purpose. And when we'll get a hold of that, it really changes the way that we move through our lives, and it's where we begin to experience and find life. And that's what we've been talking about in this last few weeks of the series. Um, I've defined our mission as one more. That's our mission statement. One more lost child back to dad. One more to Jesus. One more in the kingdom. Um, it's a mission statement that I hope you can hang on to and remember. And that it's, it's what sort of guides us in the things that we do. That this is what we focus on. We're, we're about that as a group of believers in a specific place. We use for that... Scripture from 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21. It's the foundation passage of uh, the mission that we feel that God has given us. And, and out of that passage, we've been talking about the idea that, that we're a people of, with a radical message. That's the good news, the gospel. That um, we, we, um, we're a people of radical generosity, and that's why we do the sort of outreach we do. And we're a people of radical hospitality, which is why we, we sort of do the things that we do when we're here. And um, we've been looking at those ideas together over the last few weeks. I also said to you last week that um, we, we are to be a force 
in the culture, not a, uh, not a fortress, and that sometimes the church um, will sort of circle the wagons and gather in and get very sort of inwardly focused, and yet that's not the model that Jesus gave us, that uh, he, he's told us we're to be a force in the world around us, and, and that we're to help people who don't yet know Jesus to come to know him. That's our purpose. That's our mission. It's what we're called to. And so that's what we're talking about. We're going to continue that discussion today. When I, I remember the acronym I gave you for FORCE. It just sort of helps me that we're a frontline operation. Um, we're reconciling, we're caring, and encouraging. And that all fits in with our mission of one more. All right, that's the intro transition. I always do a little um, sort of bad joke. I had six last night, narrowed it down to three. And, and so the other three, you're going to think these are bad. The other three were much worse. Did you know it takes three sheep to make one sweater? I didn't even know they could knit. What's the largest room in the world? Room for improvement. Deep, right? Okay, I'm going to blow that. What did one potato, what did one potato chip say to the other potato chip? Let's go for a dip. <laughs> I told you. Now imagine how bad them other three were. Just think about that. I had to cut them loose. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17 is our scripture reading here on purpose. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone the new has come. And blessed be the word of the Lord. These are the verses we're going to look at today in the context of our overall mission that we find in those verses 11 through 21. So I want to start by talking about this. This is something, if you've been here, you'll hear me talk about, but uh, it's just central to being a people of mission. Point number one, how we see people. How we see people impacts everything um, with regards to being a people of mission. And, and remember, see, that we have to be careful that we understand we're, we, we want to move from tradition to mission. Sometimes tradition can, can help us uh, sort of get us off track of what really matters. And, and, and so, you know, we, we have to be thinking about how the culture is changing around us. We have an unchanging message, which is still, you know, the most powerful life-changing message in the universe. That's the power of the gospel, the word of God. That doesn't change, but the culture changes and changes rapidly. And so we have to be aware of that and, and not get so stuck in the way that we've always done things that we can't do things a little differently as part of our mission to help people to come to know Jesus. And so it's, that's always sort of changing. And, and if we get stuck, we, we become ineffective. And so how we see people and, and how we relate to people and how we, how we you know, sort of react and, and with people makes a huge difference. 2 Corinthians 5.16 says this, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Now here's, um, I've talked about this, I'll continue to talk about this. I want you to, when this, I say this, this should resonate with you. When we see people, we should always be looking for the beauty of their potential. The beauty of potential. That's another one of those phrases I hope would resonate and stick with you. And, and so... This is the idea, and, and you know, see, I, I get it from this, that when, um, see, 
Jesus died for me and began to um, relate to me before I knew him, I was still a, I was a huge mess before I knew Jesus. Let's just put it that way. Uh, and, uh, you know, absolutely broken in every way and all sorts of mess going on in my life. And yet, when, when Jesus began to relate to me in that process, um, he didn't treat me like I was that huge, broken, horrendous thing that was going on. Um, I could tell that he loved me and that he was pursuing me. Uh, and so when I gave my life to him, um, uh, he continues to see me that way. So he was seeing something in me that, that I didn't even know was in there. And, and, and what he was dealing with, with me on was not on the basis of my sin, but on the beauty of my potential. Not that I wasn't full of sin, uh, and not that I'm still not, but he doesn't and wasn't relating to me that way. He was dealing with me uh, based on the beauty of my potential. And so that's the way that God sees people. And, and he needs uh, us, as his kids, to begin to relate people that, to that way as well. We need to see people that way. And if we don't see people based on the beauty of their potential, we will never really be a people of mission. Because what will happen is we'll, we'll get this idea of who people are. We have a tendency to label them by their sin. And once you've labeled someone by their sin, you will treat them differently and they will know that you're doing it. And, and you, you, will, you lose your impact. Um, and so, so it's not our job to label them by their sin. It's the, it's the Holy Spirit who will work on those things. Our mission is to love people well enough so that they have a desire to move into relationship with God, and, and then He will begin to change people. Sometimes, though, we get this thing where we get out ahead of that, and we think we've got to you know, get people changed before they can get into the whole process, and, and it's backwards. Our whole thing is just to love people uh, and to see people the way that, that He sees us and continues to see us in this process. It's by the beauty of potential. And so, you know, I, I want to say that to you again. Just when you see people, don't rush to label them. Don't, don't rush to, to give them a certain, well, that's the, these are this or they're that or they're this. But, but just begin to always see people the way God sees you, by the beauty of your potential. And see, what happens is, this is point number two, how that works, is that, that we become in Christ new creations. We become a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That's an amazing verse. And here's why I think that's such an amazing verse. We're now new creations. It says the old is gone, the new has come. And yet, you know, standing here, and I think if we're honest, we understand that, that, that you know, the new has come at some level, but there's still some of the old stuff hanging around. And yet the Bible says that when God sees us, he sees us as new creations. Because what he's doing is he's seeing us in Christ. This is, the this is so cool. He sees us in the perfection of his son. That's how he relates to us. As believers in Christ, he sees us in the perfection of his son. And so uh, you have to let that sink in as to how amazing that is. Because what will happen is we'll, we'll sort of, if we're honest, we go, I'm still a big mess. And, and we begin to think that God is perceiving us by our mess. And then we'll try and do a couple of things. We'll either try and hide it, or we'll try and clean up the outside without getting the inside worked on by the Spirit of God, or we'll just start to think, you know what, I'll just start following these rules, and then my relationship with God will be okay, none of which is true. You have to know that when you come to Christ, when you, when you give your life to Christ, you become a believer in Christ, God now sees you in Him. He already saw the beauty of your potential, uh, but once you come all the way in, He now sees you in Christ. This is, this is like the best thing happening. 
because it will change the way that you relate to God because it should eliminate from you the performance sort of thing that most of us have we have to earn it we have to work it right we got to get it right for God and, 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 and yet what we have to understand is that we're all a work in progress see we're still at work the, the spirit of God is at work within us um, I, I hope you get that like, like I you know, honestly can tell you that over the 30 years that I've been a believer um, a lot of things have changed in me but there's still a lot that needs to be changed uh, a lot and, and, and the way that it changes is, is that I'm yielding to the Holy Spirit I'm cooperating with Him and He's at work within me and it's by His power and my yielding to that power that this change takes place but, but it takes place over time now some things get changed like that and that's a good thing but a lot of this stuff is a, is a lifelong process some of my character issues are a lifelong process you, you know like I, I don't want to be sarcastic but sometimes I am anybody else? I don't want to be short with people, but sometimes I am. I don't want to get angry about stupid things, but sometimes I do. I, I don't want to be selfish, but it happens. Uh, you, you know, and, and the list could go on and on. I like that. But, but, but see, see, the reality is I have to understand that, that I'm still a mess, but God doesn't see me in that mess. So I, I don't sort of get all caught up in trying to get it right in my own strength because when I do that, what happens is I become very hard-hearted, and rather than be able to see people as, as, as people that God wants to work in, like He is in me, I start you know, trying to figure, well, I'm doing all these things, so they better be doing them too, or I'm going to judge them in the process. Matthew 7, Jesus said this, verses 3 to 5, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now here's what you should take away from that verse. We're pretty good at seeing the speck in other people's eyes, but we have this plank in our own eye that we sort of try and, and ignore sometimes. And the reality is plank removal is all you have time for the entire length of your journey. Because you'll, you'll never, if you're honest, you won't complete that task until Jesus comes back. So Jesus is saying, as long as you're dealing with that plank, you're, you're not even going to look at people's specs, nor will they really, they were not going to be a big deal. Because you got a, you might have a, I got a plank. Lord, help me, I got a plank. Do, do you get it? You got plank removal, huge plank. Think of planks, huge deal going on. Uh, and so it's a process. See, the, the churchy word for this process is called sanctification. And, and it's a process that continues until we go to be with Jesus, he comes back for us, or whichever happens first. And so we have to understand that we're in process. Now, we give language to that here. Um, we call that living by trying to do the next right thing. And that's probably a spot for that in your notes. Living by trying to do the next right thing. See, and this is the process... Because when we're, we're going to talk about grace, um, and, and, but putting it into balance so that you can understand it, because we can swing to a, a wrong understanding of that as well. In our life, we are faced with choices constantly. And, and the heart of a believer is, we want to do the next right thing. See, let me tell you, when I, when I start my days and I have my time with the Lord, my heart's desire, God, is I, for God, is I want to live for you. I want to do, I want to be your child. I want to, I want to be your servant. I want to live for you, Lord, throughout this day. And, and that's the heart when I start the day. I do not wake up every day and think, what kind of sin can I get away with today? Because I know you're going to forgive me, so it's all about me. I'm going to go do what I want. That is not the heart of a believer. It's not my heart. I don't think it expresses your heart. But here's what happens. Throughout the course of the day, my stuff will come up, and I will choose sometimes not to do the next right thing. 
I'll be selfish, mean, quick-tempered, whatever it might be. I will do those things. And, and even though it's not what I want to do in my heart, you know, Lord, let me do better today than yesterday. That's always my heart's cry. I won't make it. However, because I know that God loves me and is for me, and because he sees me in Christ, what I need to do when I get a hold of that, and this is part of the process and how the Holy Spirit works in me, I go, wow, that wasn't, that wasn't the right thing to do at all. I go running to God, and it's not a performance thing. I don't have to pretend. I go and say, I really messed up again. And, and the Father, because he loves me, will always grab me up in his arms, tell me he loves me, and he will always forgive me. You need to know that no matter what, no matter what, no matter how often, no matter how many times, if, even if it's you know, constantly, he will always forgive you. That's the heart of God. And, and then he'll empower you by his spirit to do the next right thing. Brand new start, new beginning, an amazing deal. It's hard to imagine, but this is the heart of God. Does that make me then, because of the amazing goodness and grace of God, want to go and do things I shouldn't? No, it's the opposite. See, that's what people don't get. It does the opposite to me. Because he loves me so much, I just want, want to live for him. And, and I want to cooperate with the Spirit and yield to the Spirit and, 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 and live in, in, in a way that, that pleases Him. Not to earn anything because I don't need to, but because He loves me. And so, so this needs to be the picture we have of God. So how we view others and how we see God, that He's going to love us. And then three, it's grace. It's always grace. It always will be grace. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. It's the fullness of His grace that we can experience the life He created us for. John 1, 14 through 17. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning Him. He cries out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. From the fullness of His grace, we've all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It's, it's by His grace that we're able to have relationship with me. It's not by anything that we've done. It's not because we're performing well. We're following the rules. But it's because of His grace. Galatians 2.21. Paul says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be tamed through the law, Christ died for nothing. If we could earn it, if we could work for it, if we could follow the rules good enough to become the righteousness of God, Jesus didn't need to go to the cross. But it couldn't happen that way. He had to go, and He did it for us. So this whole thing is, is a gift from God because of His grace. Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. But because of His great love for us, God who's rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and saved us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The whole grace thing brings us into relationship with God. And then and, then and only then can we begin to do the things that we were created for, the mission to which we are called to and appointed. And, and so we have to be, in order to carry out the mission, a people of grace. Not a critical, hypocritical people. That's what, that's what sort of has distanced the culture from the church. 
is, is the idea that the church became very unloving and very unwelcoming and very critical. And, and so they, they muted us. I say that all the time. It's like having a big giant mute button. They just muted the church and said, you go over on Sunday. We want you out of our society. They secularize the society. They moved us who, who used to play prominent roles in society in every area of society. And they basically pushed us aside. But it's a reaction to the fact that we, we probably haven't loved the way that we were supposed to. And so what we do now is we love well. We have to love as a people of grace. We have to find a way so that we can tell people about Jesus because they need him desperately. They, some of them don't even know. And, and yet we need to let them know. And, and we do that by loving them well. We be a, uh, by being a grace-filled people so that we can carry out the mission of one more that we've been given. Grace-filled, grace-full, full of grace for, for the future believers of the Lord so that they can come to know the one and be one more. That's our mission. That's what it looks like. And, and that's what we're called to. This week, look, I just ask you to consider this. Think about how you can see the beauty of people's potential. And if you've sort of labeled people, try and get away from the labels because you'll see that you'll treat them uh, differently in the way. Get, get and understand how important it is that our picture of God is correct, that He's loved us and that He sees us in Christ. And it's not about performing well. It's about living by doing the next right thing, not to earn anything because we've already been given everything, but because it's a response of love to him. And then let his grace just fill you and overwhelm you so that you can be a grace-filled people making a difference in the world around us. So that was enough for this week. Next week, we're going to finish up our, our uh, idea on mission. If you're watching by video or on TV, thank you so much for doing that. We appreciate you doing that. If you need prayer, go to the website. There's a prayer page for you. Come and visit us when you get a chance. That's